I have a trick and no treat for him. All right, so kids, it's been pretty cool out, hasn't it? Yeah, so I, you know, I'm not very fast. I'll come down there in a second. I got to calm some things down here. They're getting carried away. And, and so, you know, what kind of animals do you guys like? Huh? Do you like reptiles? Huh? You don't like reptiles? I like reptiles. Some, not like my dad. I, I like amphibians better than reptiles, I guess, to be honest. I like frogs and such. But anyway, uh, the colder it gets, the more comfortable I am around reptiles. You know why? They slow down. Right? I'm not that fast. Have any of you ever caught a snake? Yeah? yeah? No? Well, you know, in the winter, snakes, especially rattlesnakes, they usually sound like, right, when they go. Have you ever heard a rattlesnake? In the winter, they're like, but, 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 an old John Deere tractor, maybe. I don't know if you can find them, right? Anybody scared of snakes? Yeah, I'm scared of snakes just a little bit. Anyway, I went out because it's colder. I could, I could maybe catch snakes. And I thought, well, I'll go look around. Maybe I'll go look around the trash bin and look and see. Have you ever seen a snake by the trash bin or a junk pile? No. Oh. Have, do you know what rattles look like on a rattlesnake? They have several buttons. How many buttons have you seen on a rattlesnake? Nine. Nine? Whoa, that's a lot. They're pretty cool, right? Have you ever shook one? I mean, after it's off the snake tail. Well, I, I actually was looking for some, some rattlesnakes and get to get their, you know, rattles. And I found one. And then I also, you know what else I found? I think I found some snake eggs. Yeah. You want to see them? Yeah. Sophia, you want to see them? No. You don't? Who wants to see them? Here. All right. Come here. Come here. Look. Ready? You gotta be care- I think they're sleeping. The eggs haven't hatched. I don't think that is. Okay. Okay. Ready? Those aren't eggs. What? Those aren't eggs. It didn't work quite right. My, my trick did not work. Here, let me see if I can calm them down just a little bit. Down! Ow! Here, Sophia. No, no. Huh? Yeah. You don't think they're real? No, they're not real. I got to get my finger out of this one's mouth. One hatched. There. Here. Eh, it doesn't work so well. All right. Yeah, great. There it goes. Some, I should have had people praying for me for my trick. Anyway, all it is is a paper clip. 
right? And you wind it up. That's not funny, is it? Anyway, you put it in here, then you let the pressure off, and it goes. There we go. Good. Thank you for helping me on that. Ah, Fear. Sometimes it's good to have healthy fear. You know what healthy fear is? Respecting things that can hurt you. It's one, right? Respecting a rattlesnake, right? Some of us aren't that respectful of rattlesnakes, and there's been guys who hunt rattlesnakes, and they respect them, and they know how to be cautious and catch them, but some people don't know how to be cautious, and they get bit. And that's dangerous, right? When there's danger and you understand the element of the danger and you're wise and about how to avoid that danger, that's a healthy fear. Now, unhealthy fear is when there's something you shouldn't be scared of and you're scared of it anyway and it mortifies or puts you into shock and you don't move. So like if you're... You're in the pen and there's cows being moved out and you get in front of the gate and your dad says move, but you see the cow coming and you just freeze. Hopefully they'll go around you, <laughs> right? Uh, so sometimes we get in the wrong place at the wrong time because when dad said don't get in the gate and you got in the gate and then all oh, you froze up and then you got run over. That's not good, right? So fear can be good. But sometimes we don't fear what we should fear, and other times we fear what we shouldn't fear. Okay? How many of you are scared to tell others about Jesus? How many of you have ever cared to tell anybody about Jesus? How many think of, okay, nobody's raising your hand, so, I mean, yeah, these are questions. You don't have to raise your hands, but think about it. Have you ever cared to tell someone about Jesus? Okay, have you tried? How many of you have been scared to tell people about Jesus? Look at the adults out there. Ask the adults. Let's ask the adults. Have you ever been scared to tell someone about Jesus and the gospel? So sometimes we fear things we shouldn't fear, right? Sometimes kids, we're told to do something. And we're too scared to do it, but we know we should do it. Have you ever been there? Anybody have a good example? When have you been too scared to do something that you know you should do? Anybody ever been there? No? Yeah? You want to share? No? Okay, I'm asking too many questions. Let's move on. How about that? Can we go to the next slide, Corbin? The next slide says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Next one. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Next slide. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So sometimes we know we should speak about the gospel. And here's Paul, one of the greatest missionaries, we could say. One of the greatest proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, kids. And you know what he asked people to pray for him for? 
What does it say? Is it in this verse that he can he would speak what? Boldly. That he would speak boldly, that he would have confidence to speak and share the gospel and do what's right. And then we also find another uh, in another passage, it says in 2 Corinthians 3:12, therefore having such hope, we use great boldness in our speech. And so um we want to do what's right. Sometimes we're scared to. In this instance, it's about telling others about who? Jesus and what He has done. Another verse, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so kids, okay, This is not just about the gospel and telling people about Jesus. It's about, right, hello everybody looking at me. Hi, how's it going? Good. It's not just about doing something like telling others about Jesus. It's about doing the right thing when the right thing is scary or hard to do. Do you know what the right thing is? Sometimes it's, it's a little gray. Other times we definitely know what the right thing is. And I want to challenge you kids that, you know, we all talk about fear and sometimes it's, it's fun to scare people. Have you ever scared someone and laughed at them? Have you ever tried to scare someone and then your trick just did not work? Okay, yeah. But we're talking about not just getting scared, but when it's really, really out of your comfort zone to do the right thing. And I want to challenge you. If you love Jesus, he will guide you to do the right thing, and I want you to do it with boldness, okay? To be brave. What is, what is courage? Do you know what courage is? Anybody? Courage is still doing something when it's scary, okay? Doing the right thing when it's scary to do it, okay? There's a better quote than that, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would watch over these kids, that they would know what the right thing is, that is, that they would know you and your word and follow you and your word, and that no matter what, they would do uh, your will, do the right thing, even if it is scary. We ask your blessing upon them, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can, be, you can go back to your seats. So what did we learn today? Just that Pastor Lee's tricks don't always work. Oh, hopefully more than that. Um, I had a good quote in here, but it's going to be hard to find it because I didn't follow my notes. Uh, but... You know, Halloween is a time that people like to get spooked or scary. I always just like to get candy. And so, uh, I think we'll have someone at our house. I won't be there until later with candy, if anybody stops by, whether you look funny or not, whether you're dressed up or not. Some of you don't have to dress up to look. Oh, wait, now. Everybody's here with me? All right. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us and ask that you would guide us now as we look to your word in Jesus' name. As we continue to look to your word in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going back to Colossians, and in the book of Colossians, we, we find again that, that Paul is teaching them to fully trust in and the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the supremacy of Jesus Christ, that he is who he says he is, that he is more than enough for their salvation, that they don't have to do anything to, to earn any favor because they can't earn God's favor, but they can receive God's grace even though they don't deserve it when they turn to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone and not into works or the Old Testament law or into rituals or what have you, okay? And then they come and we work through in chapter 3 about being a new person in Jesus Christ and, and killing the old person and, and living for Christ, putting on the new, putting off the old. And then we come to chapter 4, and at the end of chapter 3, we look about how families and how we live and in the workplace, how we live matters. It should be a, a leading uh, uh, we should be leading witnesses in how we live in those areas of our lives, even in the home, even in the workplace. And now we come to an important part here that it's, you know, everyone has a purpose and a plan for every job that we do, right? And yesterday, you know, I had, I had a plan I had gotten some pork ribs out, and, and so the purpose was to cook these, real, these pork ribs up real nice. But before I was going to get to that, I wanted to clean out my Traeger grill with all the, the, the wood pellet ash in there. And so I took the, the vacuum cleaner, and I sucked up all the ash out of it. And then when I came back in the house a little bit later, I was trying to work on something else. And Dandy says, I need your help, Lee. And I come in there, and she had, the hose had come off the the vacuum cleaner and something had clogged it and so the ash had only gone up into the hose and when the hose came off there was ash all over the floor yeah that was a setback right and it's probably my fault whoops (laughs) there's so when we have a plan to do something oftentimes there's hiccups along the way but but we got it done they tasted great just so you know you know, and you look out into the fields, and some, some have gotten to the goal of having their harvest in. Others are out there right now, and some are still thinking about it because of the possibility of white moisture. You know, the, the S word, maybe tonight. I don't know if there's still that possibility. Maybe it's changed back to rain. But, you know, they want to get their whole harvest in, and so there's things that they need to do in order to get that done. Or we're talking about gathering cattle. There's a certain way of doing it, right? You have a certain plan, a procedure of how to get things done in the most efficient way possible. I don't know if I was always efficient when I was working on the ranch and getting things done. Um, But there's certain things you can do that really gobble up the system, right? Um, Anyway, there's... A desire to get something done, that is, there is a mission. And and changing it over into the view of a battle or war, we look at soldiers who carry out the commands of their officers, those in charge of them. They're going to do what they're told to do so that they can get done what needs to get done, even in the midst, kids, of possible great danger. And there's great fear. 
But anyway, there's a mission and we need to get it done. And, and so let's compare ourselves here again uh, to a soldier. And so in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, devote yourselves to prayer. You're saying a soldier? Okay, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Very similar to the passage we looked at with the kids. Verse 5, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And so when we get into this passage, I think we can make this this statement and, and this challenge that we ought to be disciplined soldiers who are engaged in the mission. We need to be disciplined soldiers who are engaged in the mission. We have to address what a disciplined soldier is, though, don't we? A disciplined soldier of the cross of Christ. And if you're a disciplined soldier of the cross of Christ, uh, you must know how to act. You must know how to act. But first, you need to know and act upon the mission objectives. There are mission objectives, aren't there? for the soldier of the cross of Christ. And so the mission objectives first in this passage, and you, you might wonder, well, what, where are you getting all of this? Well, first of all, we come to this passage, and, and we're going to skip one of the most important aspects of it, how to get it done, but because we want to come here and look at, well, what is the mission objective? Well, in this passage, we find that the greater that we should see more or a greater proclamation of the Word of God. There needs to be a greater proclamation of the Word of God. That is, don't forget um, that when we look at Colossians, who's writing here by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is Paul, one of the greatest missionaries who has ever existed. And he would say one of the worst apostles that has ever existed. For he persecuted the church. But everything's about bringing the Word of God to new places, instilling the Word of God into new individuals, and also those who know Jesus as their Savior, those individuals who have believed or just believed that they would grow up in spiritual maturity and them, them, they themselves would be proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they would become mature in the Lord Jesus Christ and proclaim the same thing that they received. But Paul was a great missionary. And so when you read this, just think about if we were sitting here and we had a missionary up here talking to us, we might have a different perspective than if it was Pastor Lee because we're like, oh, they're out in the field. But we're all in the field. We're all evan- should be witnessing with, for the cause of Christ. We should all be proclaiming the gospel message. Okay? Now, we aren't like the missionaries because some of them have great and serious difficulties and dangers in a foreign place. So we have it much easier, right? Maybe. We still have the sphere, don't we? But also look at verse 3. So 
Paul is still proclaiming the gospel, and it says open, that God would, you know, he wants them to pray that God would open up to us a door for the word, for more opportunities to proclaim the message of the gospel. So mission objective, a greater proclamation of the word, and I would, I would categorize that not just out in the world where we see people who don't know Jesus as their Savior, but also the maturing of a believers of Jesus Christ within the walls of this building and helping one another to become mature in the sense of fulfilling the work of the ministry or fulfilling the mission objectives, but also that the message would be clear. He wants to make this a clear understanding of the mystery of Christ. He wants to be able to proclaim it clearly so that people understand what it means to know Jesus and the forgiveness that Jesus gives to us. He wants that people to know that they can be saved by grace through faith, right? That people would know that they are, when they believe in Jesus, they are adopted into his family, that they're redeemed, that they're made into new people. They're joined with Christ and they're joined with others in Christ, right? We could go on and on and on. There's several times in Colossians as well as other passages about the unity of the body of Christ. Also, that they would come to know that they have died, what does it say in the first part of this chapter, of chapter 3, to the old life and have been brought up in Christ. That we are totally different than this world that is still lost. And again, that we would know that we're joined together in the body of Christ, in the family of God. And so the proclamation of the Word of God accurately understood is the mission objective. Did you get that? So if we properly understand the mission objective, that is a mission objective. Got it? More and more believing and and rightly understanding the mission objective or the gospel. And Paul is not the only one who is to proclaim the gospel. He's, he's, He's taught them how and now he was leading by example. And so we are to be disciplined soldiers who are engaged in the mission. And so there's, there could be more mission objectives when we look at other portions of Scripture. You know, making disciples. We can, we can clear, clarify it just a little bit. But here in this passage, I want you to understand these two truths from this passage. That the Word of God is proclaimed and that we understand the, the, the mystery of Christ. Okay, really the church family being united together in Christ. Second, know and act upon, notice that, not only know, but act upon the mission strategy, the mission strategy. And so when you look at verse 2, we see the very, very, very important, crucial part of this is Prayer, right? It starts out that we are to pray. We are to be devoted to prayer. And so we need to be praying faithfully for the mission. And this is a, this verse, this verb here, devote yourself to prayer. This one word in the Greek 
is the main verb and the main point of this passage, okay? That we are to be devoted to prayer. And under that, your prayers must include that you're keeping alert, right? Why? Because it's a battle. I mean, Paul was imprisoned for proclaiming this message, it says in this portion of Scripture, right? Ephesians 6.18 says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times, all the time, in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Again, why? Why must we pray? Because there's a nasty enemy. 1 Peter 5.8, right? We know this. We probably memorized it. Be sober, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Why should we keep alert again? Because of the roaring lion. Because of, of the battle. Why? Well, so that we are actually devoted to prayer again. Right? Be alert. Don't be apathetic. Be alert. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so in this verse as well, we see it ends with, uh, with an attitude of thanksgiving. Right? So, prayer for open door for evangelism. Uh, the, prayer, the, the clear preaching of the gospel as well as we need to be praying with an attitude of thanksgiving, we need to be alert and aware of what's going on, able to pray specifically about the things that are taking place, knowing that it's a battle. In verse 5 and 6, as we rush through this, um, we're to make uh, use of every opportunity in verse 5 and 6. Look at 5 and 6 here. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech... So he's talking to them. He's talked about, hey, I want you to pray. I also want you to conduct yourselves with wisdom. I also want you to, to let your speech always be with grace. But I like to, to, to point out the reality that this is all taking or making the most of every opportunity. Um, we're to live a life that brings glory to the Lord Jesus Christ in everything we think, say, and do, right? And so when we look at this opportunity, this means just living life in a way that brings Him glory. But so, so sometimes it's, it's a positive opportunity, right? In the sense... That people like what you're doing and they like you, okay? But sometimes, because of the reason that they should like you, because if you're doing it right, it's a good thing. Sometimes because it's a good thing, they, they won't like you. Paul had been imprisoned, right? So negatively, they want to they wanna get rid of you and the conversation, or when, like when they threw Paul in prison or even stoned him. Is that still an opportunity? Well, it was an opportunity, and now it's just painful. Well, even when Paul was in prison, there was an opportunity. Remember when they were singing? 
I have to go look. I just threw that in there. If that was Peter or Paul, I can't remember. Anybody know? I think it was Paul and Barnabas, wasn't it? Or was it? Okay, yeah. But we come back to this passage and we look, we need to have wisdom. What's wisdom? Know when to engage or act and when to be quiet. And wisdom means to know what to say or sing, right? But we're to know when, to, when we have opportunities and how to use those opportunities. But grace seasoned with salt, that's love with truth, giving the right answers at the right times, not sugarcoating it. Putting salt on it, not sugar, right? Love is never devoid of truth. Love can walk someone... I mean, if you you have love devoid of truth, that's not love. It walks someone right into a bad situation. Right? But knowing how to deal with those situations. Knowing how to speak truth in love. Having grace seasoned with salt. Okay? We find in our modern churches where they often try to set up, you know, maybe like a secular business to achieve a goal after having a set vision. There is nothing wrong with this, right? There's nothing wrong. It's good. Unless the Lord God is not the center of it. Sometimes we are told what to do and, and then we do something totally different. Like, I felt convicted, and some of us not from the study in Colossians, for Riverview, our Bible lesson, we're going through a little booklet, and they're talk, we're, we're looking at Numbers 20, 10, and 11, when the Lord God told Moses and Aaron, okay, you will speak to the rock and water will come forth from it. And instead, in Numbers 20, 10, and 11, Moses is so fed up with them, he, he starts speaking to the, the people who are clim, complaining and bickering. He, he calls them rebels, and he says, shall we bring water from this rock? And then he strikes it twice, not speaking to it, so he disobeys God in that. He takes it upon his own abilities to deal with the people, and he does it his way instead of God's way. And so he and Aaron don't get to enter the promised land because they disobeyed God. And so the question is, Christ the center of what we're doing and are we obeying Him when we are trying to formulate these mission strategies to reach the mission objective? And this passage, points one and two, are specifically from this passage. So there's more that we can develop to help us understand, well, how are we going to get the job done of the Great Commission, of building up the church, the body of Christ, so we can fulfill the Great Commission? But is the Lord God the center of it? And so when we think about it, uh, one thing that... I think is, is important is that, and I would say, and I would hope that this would be our goals, um, and I hope that when I say my, it would be the Lord's goal, but my goal would be to have functional ministries, right, on all fronts. Functional ministries, groups, or committees who are not hindered in their efforts to fulfill necessary and even lofty ministry goals. 
right? To fulfill necessary, those things that should be done. And even lofty ministry goals. Also known as the mission. Ministry goals, the mission. My goal, or hopefully our goal, is to see many, those who are willing to be engaged, to try to do something, to be encouraged and not discouraged, and therefore would disengage from what they are doing. My ministry goal would to, to see that everybody is seeking to serve the Lord. Ministry must be about proclaiming and living the gospel in a way that glorifies God, and that's even amongst, and, and you wonder, we come back to most of the epistles talk about some form of unity within the church. Okay, and so it's very easy to be a people that's not united together because unknowingly or knowingly we, we force our ideals in there like Moses and Aaron, even if he had the right idea because they were rebels, they were discontented little fiends that needed dealt with, but he did it in his way, not the Lord's way. And so all of us together have to work together. That is, we need to be disciplined soldiers who are engaged in the mission. We do. So finally, okay, we'll, we'll be done shortly. Just a couple more thoughts. Know and act upon the mission hindrances, okay? There are hindrances, aren't there? Would you click to the next slide for me, Corbin? Know and act upon the mission hindrances. And what are they? I would say, number one, apathy. That's a mission hindrance, isn't it? And so when we look at this, it says in here to pray, keeping alert. Okay, apathy is not being alert. But pray. (laughs) Have grace in your speech. So apathy is not caring to care and to have grace. Okay, you don't really care what they think. You don't really care about how they feel. Okay. Be proclaimers of the truth, seasoned with salt. Apathy doesn't care about the truth. So um, we can go on, but because of time. Also discontentment. Are we discontent? That can really spoil things. Contentment with godliness is great gain. Amen? What about ignorance? A lot of this is speaking to us. He wants the word of God, so to be known. And, and it, that the mystery of Christ would be clear. So ignorance is not knowing the word, not knowing the struggle. I mean, the struggle for our missionaries even, that we know and we support. And sometimes we don't know because they don't tell us, right? <laughs> sometimes we don't know because they don't tell us because we haven't been involved. And we have a lot of missionaries that we support. Do we care about at least a few on them on the list? Not knowing about the struggle, not having wisdom, not taking advantage of every situation. Do we take advantage of every situation? There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of opportunities, and there are situations that arise, maybe few and far between here at our church because we're not in the city and we're not huge. 
But when there's a funeral dinner, that's a mission. That's an opportunity. Are we doing it in love for the right reasons? That's just an example. Another one I would say, unfaithfulness. It's a lot like apathy. We could probably have clumped those together, I suppose. But I want to point out, not walking with the Lord daily and so unfaithful in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, which leads to apathy. So you're not spirit-filled, not spirit-led, not spirit-empowered. We can't do this on our own strength. Right? So a few things we we must ask ourselves when we seek to be engaged as disciplined soldiers. Here's a, a rough list that's very probably weak in getting everything that should be on the list here. So... A few things we must ask ourselves when we seek to be engaged as disciplined soldiers. How does this point to the Lord? Or does it point to the Lord? Okay, is it an opportunity? Well, yeah, but how can we do it in such a way that it points to the Lord? Always and of utmost importance is how we care about each other as we do the work. Number two, how does it unify us in the Lord? Or does it? Does it unify us? Three, do our actions and words disciple or merely hurt and hinder? Sometimes in the past I have walked into a hornet's nest because I saw a need done. I'm not saying this church per se, okay? I'm probably here at this church because I've done it in the past, to be honest. Something needs done. I'm going to try to do it. Whoop. That was a big ant pile. And they're moving fast. I better get off of it. You ever walk into something? You see needs done? You didn't mean to hurt anybody. So when we see somebody doing something, we need to be careful that... We're not hindering the Spirit's work in their life. And second, when we do it, <laughs> if we see something that needs done, we have to be very careful that we're following the Spirit and we're not stepping on somebody's feelings. And it is complicated, isn't it? So we have to be Spirit-filled, Spirit-led people. Do our action and actions and words disciple? Okay? Does it build up? Does it guide? Does it lead? Or does it merely hurt and hinder? And who is it all about? Again, going to the first two at the end of it, does it point to the Lord? Does it unify in the Lord? Who is it about? Is it about me? No. So we're to be disciplined soldiers who are engaged in the mission and the disciplined portion of that is walking with the Lord Jesus Christ daily. The soldier is, it's a battle and Satan will do whatever he can and we are finite beings easily hurt and we can mess things up. So we have to be soldiers knowing that this is a battle, but disciplined, seeking to do the most good without doing the most damage. That makes sense. And all ministries that we're involved in here at this church. 
And I would venture to say there's a lot of ministries that some of us, even I, don't know that's happening. And so we have to be devoted to prayer and engaged. And I thank the Lord that he brought us to Tulane where I see men and women who love him and are willing to be involved in the, the mission willing to be involved in, in proclaiming the message. So I thank the Lord for being here. Are we doing all that we can do? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are we doing things that we shouldn't be doing? That is, even in ministry, are we distracted doing one thing when God has called us to do something entirely different? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us in that, Lord, we... Even though we don't deserve your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, Lord God, you've forgiven us through your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to pay for the penalty of our sins. Lord Jesus, we thank you because not only did you conquer uh, sin, but you conquered death and you rose again. And Lord Jesus, you're leading, you're the head, you're the one we follow. Please help us to be sensitive uh, to your leading through your Holy Spirit. Help us to know how to encourage one another in you. Help us to know how to take advantage of every opportunity that comes our way so that you would be glorified and many would come to know you as their Savior and many would be strengthened in you, Lord Jesus. I know, Lord, uh, here amongst the people, all of us, including myself, in the past, we've seen great potential of people that we've reached out to and then we've seen them kind of fade away. Help us not to be discouraged by that, but to press on, Lord. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. I ask your protection upon all those uh, involved in the fun activities of this day. Uh, watch over them, guide and direct them. In Jesus' name, amen. We have the young folks come up and take this morning's, so we can take up this morning's offering.